0: This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context.
1: Welcome back to Create the Next. I am Chris Bentliff. I'm joined today by Dan Bartley. And Dan, it's been a minute since we've been together. And last time we talked, we had a really great conversation about, I don't know, some things to think about when buying or selling. Uh, you know, that transactional aspect of business. And a lot has happened since then. Uh, A lot of different industries have had some ebbs and flows. We've seen some uh, new and interesting things happen in construction. We've seen some crazy things happen in manufacturing. We've seen lots of companies pivot, whatever. What are you seeing out there? How's it going in the world of transactions in businesses that are buying and selling? What's the mood? What's the trend? What's the attitude? Uh, What's your perspective out there?
2: Well, in general, one of the things that has happened that's actually had the most significant on the market is just the amount of money that's available. Uh, Literally trillions of dollars are now sitting on the sidelines needing to get put to work. Uh, So what it did is it drove up values in a big way. It drove up multiples and uh, the the need for transactions from the capital side is still strong, very strong. Uh, For me personally, it was kind of slow. On the transaction side, I've been very busy, but kind of slow on the transactional side. Uh, but I had two cross my desk recently uh, that were very interesting because, on their face, I was like, "Hey, good companies, good opportunities." They they show profit, uh, good consistent revenue stream. I was like, "Okay, I'll get both of these done." Uh, but then I scratched the surface, uh, and it turns out I couldn't verify the financial information uh, at all. And it turns out neither one of them had financial statements. One of them just had numbers and said, we don't have a balance sheet. And the other one said, we have two sets of financial statements because we run one set of financial statements for expenses and one set of financial statements for revenue. And I was like, well, those aren't financial statements. So this is going to be tough to get done. But what I'm hearing is that actually, it's kind of what is getting out there. People are so, they're hearing that there's such availability of money to sell the business that... They think they can just provide, hey, I make a million dollars, let's get it done.
1: And it's never going to work that way. Wow. So (laughs) this gets back to the nuts and bolts of reporting, the value of reporting. So where is the, I don't know if failure is the right word, but where is the dysfunction there? Is that... Uh, do we just need C- CFOs to we doing a better job? Do, do not enough companies lean on their CFO to do the right thing? Are there too many controllers instead of CFOs like where's the where's the dysfunction the breakdown in some of that?
2: It's all of the above, but part of it is the fact that a lot of companies privately held 30 years, I'm sure you've seen this many times uh, have gone along so nicely because they make money. they have money in the bank account and therefore financial statements well, I know I have money in the bank account. It's not so important. And it does, doesn't become crucial until you go and do a transaction. Then all of a sudden it does matter. And at that point, it raises the questions of how come you haven't been using financial statements all these years? So whose fault is that? It's not really anyone's fault. Uh, the accountant might find the tax advisors at some point should have raised their hand and said, you know, it would be really helpful to have financial statements, not just for a transaction, but to analyze your business. Because in the instances I just described, I guarantee if i was in there helping them on a monthly basis with financial statements they'd be making more money there's no doubt in my mind they'd be more efficient and do things better but they don't realize that until the time comes
1: that is fascinating to me we've talked a lot uh, in this in this uh in this podcast about how important it is to sort of behave like you're going to sell your business anytime just always have your ducks in a row and that is still sort of the most elementary piece of i mean there's so many dominoes that fall both both uh, or that rise up you know as you pointed out you could easily be making more money if just knew more about what was going on when it comes to valuation i imagine there's kind of two two pieces to this tell me tell me if, if you agree or how you respond to this one is if i'm a buyer and yeah. i don't have that information then obviously it's harder for me to make this deal or make this deal quickly or, or to know what this deal should consist of. But also, I don't know, am I making some judgments about the thing I'm going to buy? Well, hold on. What else have you not been doing for 30 years? Like what else, if I get in there, am I going to find is, is kind of crazy. This is not what I expected. It, do you find that those two components and are, are there others that sort of that symptomatic, this lack of, of attention to that aspect can be symptomatic of other things going on inside of a business? For sure. But what's interesting,
2: Chris, as you mentioned that I, I wear both hats, as you know. So, as a seller, I'm like, uh oh, this isn't good. As a buyer, I'm like, wow, this is great oh. because I can still do the deal. Okay. I can look at your bank statements and verify on my own what cash is happening. But what I can't do is at that point, I don't know the fight, I, I'm not going to take the risk, I'm not going to take the chance. That still something's wrong. I still don't have enough information. So I'm gonna drastically discount your value. And I'm also going to hedge it where I'm gonna say, well, I'll pay you over time. I'll pay you based on what actually happens. So, and and those valuations are dramatically different. They could be up to 50% of your business because I'm not gonna take the risk. And if you if you wanna straighten your situation now, get your financial statements up to date and come back to me, we can talk about it. But as it stands now, I'll do it, but this is the only way I'll do
1: it. So if I am, you know, this family business and for 50 years I've been rolling along and it's been enough, I mean, what's the like most basic advice that you have for me? Get what, what are the basic and financial, because there's some reason I haven't been doing this. And maybe at this point I feel it's unnecessary, unimportant, or I'm even intimidated or I don't know where to start. Like, let's remove a little bit of mystery. What's your professional guidance on, look, just start here, do this first thing and let's build off of that.
2: Yeah, it just so happens I'm working on one at this very moment, and I'm going to get back to it right after this call. The first thing I'm doing is I'm digging into what they have. I'm like, okay, give me everything you have so I can figure out what you need. And so what I do is I dig into the financial statements, which are in various conditions. Some of them are just don't make any sense. Some of them are, hey, that's not bad. I can work with that. Either way, I'm going to get back to them and say, okay, let's, be- let's make this better. Let's make this better so that an acquiring company is uh, looking at you is going to say, yeah, that's high quality. I understand it. You have all your schedules correct, uh, and that's where I'm going to guide them for.
1: It's great advice, Dan. Let's talk a little bit about I don't know what's what else is underneath there. Uh, you and I were talking earlier, and I had some experience um, where uh, a company that was that was buying another company. I don't know. There was some tension that emerged after the buy that was around redundant employees, and uh, there were some employee morale issues. But there were also some real logistical things that maybe you don't think of, but become really important uh, after you think about it. And I wonder what you think about some of those things. What are some of the systems that uh, we should be thinking about differently or better? And, And what are some of the people dynamics in a transaction, one way or the other, that maybe we take for granted or we don't think through enough Uh, that should be part of our considerations in a transaction.
0: Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. Pro CFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment ProCFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC financial flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit procfopartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. Procfopartners.com. Yeah,
2: Chris, those are absolutely, those are both very crucial. Uh, Let's start with the personnel issue because uh, it's kind of interesting. I put employees into three different categories in a transactional way. One is the selling staff, the people who actually have direct contact with your customers. The technical staff, that's your IT group. People are actually running the data behind the scenes. And then your admin people, the people who make the trains run correctly day to day. And uh, on both sides of the equation, buyer and seller, I wanna make sure these people are lined up uh, with a potential transaction because they're gonna be important. And they're gonna be crucial to what happens after the transaction. And it can make or break a deal. So you need to line those people up with, you know, find out as if you're an acquirer, you have to know, identify who these people are and get to know them and find out what makes them tick and see if you can find some way to inspire them to be part of the team going forward. And you can do that with a number of ways. You can have employment contracts uh, that also protects you because you can include language about confidentiality, non-solicitation, things like that. Um, but you also can get happy employees out of it. If that doesn't happen, I have seen situations that become pretty disastrous where a culture fit. So a company is acquired and, and all the employees were used to functioning a certain way, and the company that acquires them does it completely opposite. What do you know? All of a sudden, there's this thing called accountability that no one was used to. Uh, and then you get un- unhappy employees, you get dissension, and it, it just makes a bad work environment. And again, it hurts the efficiency of the business going forward. Those are all. Very common things that happen if you don't look out for them when you're when you're walking
1: in. I love that you've got these three compartments, and for me, each one is worth unpacking a little bit from a sales perspective. As you point out, sort of culturally, if if uh, if my VP of sales is super relaxed and we've got kind of a easygoing culture, and we've got you know a few key PIs that are important to us, but as you pointed out earlier, we've been rolling along making sales for thirty years. We're doing okay, but the buying company has a really whatever aggressive or sort of organized if i don't have some way pre-sale to connect uh, expectations on that holy smokes you're going to see a whole fleet of people either jump ship or the morale will plummet or uh, there'll be a lot of uh, dissension a lot of dysfunction a lot of attitude issues i.t folks if uh, you've got disparate systems, maybe you've yep. got completely different, uh, you know, ERPs. Maybe you've got all kinds of things that are separate. And then admin, they really deal with it all. They're yep. the, they're on the business <laughs> end of all this stuff, and yep. they feel like, well, this is all going to affect us the most, but we weren't even asked. Yep. There are some proactive ways pre-sale that uh, I don't know that any of these things can be worked out in a realistic way. You can't uncover every single thing, yep. but. What do you think should be happening that sometimes doesn't happen? You can pick up that uh, first piece pretty easily.
2: I actually am a, a certified instructor at in something called Myers-Briggs Psychological Type. Sure. So so people are different. And so what you can do is have your personal folks or the people engaged, involved in the, in the uh, transaction, meet with these people and have a thorough conversation. Find out what they like, what makes them tick, what makes them not tick. How do they do their job now? Because you're precisely right. If you have a salesman who just is no accountability, just does his thing, but he's a great salesman. The transactions get closed. The acquiring company likes day-to-day accountability. Who'd you talk to today? Who'd you call? Where's your next step? What's your follow-up? Here's your form. It won't work. They won't be happy. And boy, you don't want an unhappy salesman (laughs) because that comes across to the customer. Uh, But you also have the danger. That's a very real legal danger. And I, I did have this happen many years ago with a lead salesman wasn't involved with the transaction, and just started taking all the accounts right after the deal was done. Uh, And it would cause legal problems and legal issues you could just imagine. Uh, But that's uh, for the other reasons that we talked about. You really, you need to lock these things down in advance or they will hurt you. They will hurt you. I also had a situation where we had an IT guy, nice enough guy, but he was there for 30 years or 20 years, whatever it is. And it was his baby and his show. And he refused to let the acquiring company's IT team come in. And he never fully documented. Yeah, it was unbelievable. He never fully documented everything. It was all in his head. Uh, And he just refused. We had to threaten him with legal action. Say, what you've effectively done is you're stealing information that you don't own from the company because you're not willing to disclose it. And that almost killed the deal. They finally worked it out. But, yeah, these... these, uh, These personnel issues are are really, they're crucial. They can make or break a transaction.
1: And that's a great illustration. How many companies have one or a key person in a business unit or department that seems to have all the knowledge in their head? They've been here a long time. They know how it goes. And uh, none of it is systematized. None of it is, you know, sort of franchised so that somebody else could pick it up uh, and somebody else could run uh, with it. What about systems? What are some things that I should be thinking about or keeping in mind when it's kind of peeling back the... The yeah. hood on some of those things that just make a an organization mechanically operate. Yeah. Well, you know,
2: the first place I'm going to go and that's to the financial statements. <laughs> <laughs> if I have two set of separate. It all comes s- around. It's all oh, it's, it, Well, that's, that's my, that's my world. Yep. Um, it comes back to if I, it's very common, you have two separate sets of financial reporting systems out there. If it's the same system, but two sets of financial information, that's, that's work, but it's kind of like easy to do. If the two entirely finan- different financial reporting systems, you have to figure out a way to merge them, or you're going to have to pick one and run with that. Or all of a sudden, before you know it, you have months go by and you have no financial reporting, and somebody's saying, How are we doing? And you don't know. Hmm. Uh, it happens, it happens often. Uh, you also have the whole communication aspect, both internal and external. You know, how do people talk to our people? How do they pe- people talk to the comp- people in one company? How do the customers talk to the people in the other? How do they get in, in touch with them? Uh, you start to break that down. And it's not working yet. You get unhappy unha- customers. You get unhappy employees. Again, and so communication is absolutely key. You need to work that out in advance. You can't, you got to be ready when you pull the switch to make it happen.
1: Otherwise, it's going to be glitchy
2: and it's going to cause problems.
1: What a great point. I mean, some of us are operating in Slack, some of us are strictly email, some of us are sending casual texts that, uh, you know, when there's no uh, appropriate sort of track record of that, that can get an organization in trouble. And maybe there's somebody else that's going to come in, and they're going to have a completely different uh, way of doing things. And to know that stuff ahead of time is crucial. So Dan, if I sum it all up, one Mm -hmm. is you have your ducks in a row, your reporting has to be on point. Mm -hmm. If it's not, you got to get there, and your CFO or Dan or Pro CFO partner should give you a hand. I should also be having a good understanding of the personalities that are going to be connecting inside of my organization, and and some of the expectations and even the responsibilities, and uh, where that are, that will be. And then when it comes to the systems, I have to have a good sense of communications, and it comes back to reporting. I have to be able to, to know what I'm doing. Does that does that kind of get us to where we talked about some of these things today? Yeah, you said it all very well. And, you know, it can be, uh,
2: I actually enjoy doing all that because you meet all the different personalities. You look at all the systems, you see what's in the financial reporting system and it's all doable. All of it can be worked out. You just have to take the time to do it and and to do it right. And ownership on both sides will, uh, appreciate it. And and one of my personal goals always is for any transaction I'm involved in, that I want to be able to have the either side call me two years from now and say, oh, yeah, Dan, thank you. It worked hmm. out.
1: What a great perspective and what a great way to sort of buttonhole this whole thing because you're right, it can feel intimidating or even punitive sometimes and we would never want that. You're right. This is all doable. And it's great to have somebody who loves this stuff on your team because so many of us don't, but somebody out there I love digging in and helping out and making this go. And what a great perspective to have. Dan Bartley from Pro CFO Partners, just a gem. Thanks, Dan, for spending some time with us. Can't wait for our next conversation. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. Good to talk to you, Chris, always. All right, take care. Take care, bye.
0: Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.